passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is another edition of Pollock and Thurston. I am John Pollock, joined by Buffalo's finest, Brandon Thurston. Although you might have competition today with our guests yes. in terms of the, the role of uh, Buffalo's finest. Uh, with all due respect to uh, Daniel Garcia and his four-way match on Sunday, but we've got Brandon here with us. Hello, Brandon. I'm here. You are here. You are back, safe and sound, from Toronto. The real Iron Man on, on Sunday, I feel. It, it took me a day to, to recover from, from that whole ordeal. We'll get into it. It was a late press conference i got later home. than it needed to be we'll talk about got, that later i got home at about 4 45 a.m buffalo <laughs> god so you you left around 2 30 ish 2 45 you probably left toronto maybe something a little like later that. something like that yeah. three i don't know I, I i missed most of the forbidden poor i guess but so did know, I. I i showed up in the middle but uh you know, two two or three o'clock i left buffalo yeah, I thought I would have at least time for like a half hour of the after party. No, the after party was done by the time oh, that yeah. press conference was done. So that was, um, the you know, head to head with an AEW press conference. You're obviously not going to come out on the winning side. But someone that is coming out on the winning side this week, a man that is all over pro wrestling media because it is the big, long awaited drop. Brandon, do you remember when AEW Fight Forever was announced? I remember what they were wearing. They were wearing, uh, Steve, Steve Jobs like, black turtlenecks uh, as if they were doing an apple presentation will be your guess of the year two years ago november 2020 they announced this game and here we are in june of 2023 with the uh the long long awaited release of fight forever and here to join us he is a journalist at insider gaming mike straw is with us and mike welcome back i'm sure it's been a crazy week for you as the pro wrestling world dissects a video game which i'm sure is done in a very polite normal fashion one, thanks for having me. I'm I'm so happy to talk to you again. Two, it's it's been just the the nicest dialogues ever. No vulgarity, no DMs, nothing, nothing of mean vitriol or anything. You don't have a competitor's video game for people to compare and say, "Oh, if this was 2K, they would no, be doing this." Which, or such. It's so funny to me. We're at that point. That do do, like, do you get that that kind of uh, like? 100%. I am sure like the back and forth exists uh, times ten within gaming fans. I mean, yeah, I get it, it, they're all over the place. It's that tribalism. If you think it's bad when you're watching programming WWE versus AEW programming, it's nothing compared to the tribalism in gaming. From different company games to console, it's nothing compared to it. Well, this is admittedly like an area that I definitely have like a blind spot towards, but I think approaching it from like an interesting perspective, knowing the the fan base. But just as we were mentioning that this game was announced all the way back in 2020, do you think that helps or hurts when you have that that size of anticipation of years in the making of this game that it both builds anticipation and also sets standards, I think, so high among this audience when it's the first game out from AEW? It hurts it tremendously. 
um, because the average person still doesn't understand what it goes into making these large titles. Um, you're looking at three to five years minimum for these major releases, especially these cross generation titles that are on older consoles and newer systems. So announcing it when I, when they did, I get they were super excited about it, but they kind of put themselves into a corner where it was constant talk about every day, every month. Someone's like, Oh, what's the latest on the game? The latest on the game. And it just ended up kind of screwing them over in the end. If they would have waited until last year to announce the game, I think it would have been fine. But the three years, two and a half years, almost three buildup has kind of has hurt them. I I have to go way back to probably No Mercy and and WrestleMania 2000. Maybe maybe those were the last. I probably played some of the PlayStation uh, W titles too. But my impression of those No Mercy and the, the THQ games was that those were sort of Japanese wrestling games that were already developed that were adapted for WCW and, and with the, in the case of revenge and, and for WWE in the case of no mercy WrestleMania. So does that sort of make the process, I know it's a different time, but does that sort of make the process easier and different from this one? Yes. And no, yes, because yeah, back, back then you're, you're spot on with, they were adapted engines that were updated and adapted for the North American promotions. Um, so it made it easier to get them in and quicker to get out, but where it was also a time where it was a lot easier to make a game. Like it's easier now to get into game development and things, but it's harder to make a game than ever before. Back then it was a lot easier to make the game harder to get in. Um, because of just the way technology was. So they kind of this go around, they were building everything from scratch. AEW paid to have, they, they went over budget by a lot to build an engine completely from scratch that they would have ownership of that they can take around to different developers and pub, uh, if they want. So yeah, they back in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was a lot easier because yeah, the Japanese Ukes had their engine or Aki. The Aki engine was perfect. This was a recreation of it. Tell us a bit about uh, some of the gameplay, your own initial impressions of some of the, the strengths and weaknesses of the game uh, from the time that you've been able to play. So I've had the game a little over a week or so now. Uh, my very first match, Kenny Omega, I did Kenny Omega versus Ricky Starks and Kenny Omega glitched into the ring. Um, <laughs> like that, that's basically set me up. I'm like, all right, I know what I'm, uh, what I'm going to start expecting. What does this I mean? Guess. Like his entrance? He just like all of a sudden appeared. In no, the ring, in the middle of the match, he was in, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter later. Uh, I think I have too. He's in the ring, like glitched into the mat. Like his head's just standing up. His head's like just above the mat, like as if he's in a pool of water. Uh, so I'm like, this is just setting me up for, uh, I guess what to expect because the gameplay, when it works, it's really fun. Like mm-hmm. you get that nostalgia, but nostalgia will wear off after a while, which it already started to do with me. Are there more? Is it the glitching frequent? Uh, yeah and no. It depends. When it starts to happen, it keeps happening. If it like just on repeat, it's like something just issues like a snowball effect. Um, the replay suite, when they show replays of the big moves and stuff or at the end of the match, that happens all the time. Wrestles will start uh, floating in the replay. They'll T pose in the replay and it, it's, it's bad. There's a lot of quality of life um, issues with, with the game right now. When it comes to the target audience, if you are in AEW's mind, are you aiming for someone maybe 
all three of us are in relatively a similar age bracket that do go back to those those N64 games and sort of the nostalgia, as you mentioned, versus this being a tool for a younger audience. Like, do you feel like they are like this will appeal to someone that is maybe aware of AEW, but not generally taking it in every week like a hardcore fan is? So I think what they tried to do, uh, at least this is from my time with it, they wanted to encompass everyone. They wanted those people who played the old school games. Like they said that from the beginning. We want to, it's an homage, an homage to, to No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 and NWO Revenge and all those games. But they also wanted to bring in that younger generation because of how easy, admittedly, the game is very easy to pick up and learn. It takes you a couple matches to get used to the controls, if that, and you're good to go. Whereas opposed to the more simulation 2K, like you, you're, you're constantly learning those controls over and over. You're not going to really get the hang of them after one or two plays. So it, it seemed like they were just going for that. They wanted everybody from age five, six to age 66. And the timing of the release as well. Like this is relatively close to what was a pretty well-received 2K game from uh, WWE that was a big yeah. comeback for the franchise. What what do you make about just this time of the year going into the summer? Is this an advantageous time? Is it uh, an indifferent time? And being so close to a 2K release, is that kind of in the, in the thought process too of how much income is out there for fans to be buying a, a second game so close? It, I don't think, from everything I know and everything I've heard, this wasn't the time they wanted it out. Um, they originally, like the game they originally wanted out was around, uh, full gear last year. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was before, it was after all the updates for 2K22 had released. So there was no more DLC for that. They were months away from 2K23 even coming. And it was going to be coinciding with the full gear pay per view, kind of like what it did with the advertising with, with Forbidden Door. And that was going to be a sweet spot window because 2K had left the fall, which such a smart decision. Um, but they, they had their window right there. And it's right but before Christmas. Like that seems bingo. like a great, it would, it would have sold like hotcakes for that reason alone. Um, but they ran into issues with bugs. A big, well, they ran into issues with bugs. They ran into issues with, um, securing the team rating from the ESRB. In the States, um, it, it's they they just kept running into hiccup after hiccup after hiccup. And they always wanted the goal was always to release around a pay-per-view like there was no bones about it. It was going to coincide around a pay-per-view window. It finally got to the point where it's like, all right, well, now we have Forbidden Door. They're going to do it that two weeks around there because double or nothing was what they planned on it. They had a couple things they had to work out. Okay. It wasn't happening. Forbidden door. It's going out. Did you get the, the sense that the, the GCW, um, I have to be careful. They didn't quite, uh, contest the, the, the trademark, but, the, but there was, they did the filing with the, with the U S patent office and trademark office says that they were, they requested an extension to possibly oppose. So did you get the impression that that had anything to do with, with the delay? My, my intuition is no, but, but you and- may know better. At first, it kind of felt that way. But once you learned more about it, it was more a case of, hey, you guys are doing this, but don't come after us when we still use it. Right. That was what it was a case of, just making sure they could still use the term. So it was never like that kind of stuff ultimately wasn't going to hang up. 
because they weren't filing an injunction or trying to delay a game. They wouldn't mention anything about the game in there. Ultimately, uh, they, they did not oppose it, but they did request yeah. time to, to potentially yeah. oppose it. But uh, uh, the, the time, no. They were just going to keep going full boat, and then it was basically that was going to stop them from announcing a release date, possibly. But I, they probably knew way before we all did internally that, okay, it's not going to happen. Now, in all of this is the, the the CM Punk drama, which, of course, just permeates to all areas of business. He was Who's originally that? he's just this, you know, this wrestler that is just uh, going <laughs> on at this point. I think some fans are familiar with him here and there. Um, <laughs> n- not enough of a star to promote for collision uh, that's happening tonight in Hamilton. But so he's removed from the cover of the game. Now, he was never there was never an instance where he would have been out of the game. Correct. Like, no, it was, there it was just the marketing that. They decided to go with, you know, him off the cover as opposed to on. Yeah, it was mainly of a, a case of why is he still on the cover with this, this, that, and this. And they didn't want that negative stink on it um, because it would have happened had they not changed it. Also, the original cover was really bad. That was never going to be the final cover to begin with. So when they decided to do the updated cover to make it look more like a dynamite uh, based graphic system, they just removed him from it. But yeah, Punk was in this game too, right? What was that? I'm sorry. Cody Rhodes is in this game too. Yep. Yeah, because he was he had the agreement signed before he left. So they're like, well, we already got you under contract. So here we go. We'll keep you in. Uh, but yeah, like that, when when the punk stuff happened, the brawl out stuff happened. Everybody thought he was going to be removed. When MJF, all that drama happened last year, people thought he was going to be removed. And immediately, I'm like, no, like it's not happening. He is. He was going to be like the plan was he was going to be a big part of the game's marketing and everything like that. Um. So the the worry about these people being removed for this or that was never, never even discussed internally that it was going to happen. The the reviews that I've seen, I, I looked at Metacritic yesterday and I tweeted what the Metacritic rating is so far. And I, I, I quickly, the, the tweet got ratioed with lots of people weighing in. Um, Stunning. It's, it's, it's 63 <laughs> on Metacritic right now out of a hundred, which is like, is yellow. It's, it's mixed. It's a, uh, not a great uh, rating, I guess. Um, a lot of people have mentioned that, well, you can't compare it to the W2K games because they've had years to develop and build on that game. Does that sound right to you? Yes and no. They're going to compare it because they I don't care what WWE says. I don't care what AEW says, though AEW is more open to it. They are competing against each other at all times. There's a reason they put 2K23 as a free trial for PlayStation Plus members. Oh, I don't know. Starting yesterday. Uh in the first place, they're always competing against each other. So that's going to happen um, because sure. The gameplay is different. It's going for a different style, but modes off li- or outside of the ring, like competing modes are competing modes. What game has the more fun story mode? Like that's still something you're going to compare. It doesn't matter how long these are still people who have done it countless times, years on years, these producers and, and, and developers that made this game aren't, fresh out of college spring chickens a lot of them have been doing it since the smackdown versus raw games uh, so like should should people expect the i guess the next iteration of, of this aw game to continue to get better yes but i don't know when that's gonna i don't think we see another like AEW game for five six years maybe wow that long so um, they, they, they've got like the engine created but th- this could th- this is not something that fans should expect like an annual release no no they're not doing an annual um if they come out with an annual, that means the game sold so well that they're like, we got gold here. 
um, for the game to become an annual or any sort of franchise, it has to sell well. I don't know the numbers, but they've gone on record. I can't remember who it was. One AEW executive said to make it a franchise, the game needs to do well. But the plan is to update this game over time. They already have their season pass for season one, it seems, with FTR, which that annoyed me in itself. That FTR is not on the main roster, but they're there day one for you to spend 12 more dollars to get. Um, But they have FTR coming. They have Hook, Danhausen, Keith Lee coming and things like that. More mini games. And then they're going to be adding Stadium Stampede in an update. They're going to be they're going to be constantly evolving this game. So the hope is that through these updates over the next year or so, we get to the game that fans have wanted. It just sucks. We're in a point right now where fans had to pay $60 for this. And, and on the subject of E2K, it seems seemed like that relationship with 2K was, was in jeopardy until one or two releases ago, right? Um, I think you and I had been talking at the time because I'd, I'd noticed like Stephanie McMahon interacting with an EA sports executive on LinkedIn or something. I'm like, oh, that's curious. Um, yep. But it seems like those, the, the latest, is it one release or two releases have been pretty well received for W2K? Uh, yeah, 2K22 was okay. Um, there were things people still don't like the new control scheme, even with 2K23. There were things, but they knew, like, with the addition of GM mode and my GM, that things were going well. And in 2K23, the release, you still have the people who want a perfect game. You're never going to get a perfect game. But the game has sold the most out of any 2K game for the last decade, decade and a half, any WWE video game, uh, still being played by more people today than any of the last since 2K took over for 2K14. Uh, it, it is the most popular version of their game they've ever released. So WWE and their relationship is on good terms right now because things are there. They got close. They were, there were heavy talks with them moving to EA, but it just, it was kind of a, we're going to see how this latest game does. And this latest game basically hit a home run. Uh, for what they were looking for, all internal expectations and revenue generating and things like that. How would you assess the promotion um, that AEW put into the, this release uh, of the game? Like they've had years to do it, but in the lead up to this release date, did you think it was a, a very effective job? Could they have done more? Absolutely terrible. Absolutely awful. Uh, people didn't know the main roster until like the full actual roster until Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Um. They didn't, they're very late on, and I get the whole rated T for T. I know the rating thing and a couple things here and there they had to take care of, but you could still build up hype for the game by doing a daily, like two months out, you have 60 people on the roster, 50 or 50 something people on the playable roster at launch daily reveals. Even if it's not gameplay, it's like this person's in the game, this person's in the game, this person's in the game. Um, but they knew with so many admissions, I have a feeling that there's going to be more complaints of who isn't than who is. Because when you look at the game and it has people, n- no disrespect to them, but Yuki Sakazaka and, and and Abaddon in the game, but you don't have the acclaimed. Um, It's kind of, it bugs people. It, it rubs people the wrong way. So, but the marketing, they just did terrible. They didn't talk about it enough on TV other than just showing the graphic at the bottom every now and then, and then coming soon to a console near you. It's like, they, they should have done more than that. Uh, especially for a first game. 2K can get away with that way. They don't have to, but it was very rare. They even transitioned to like, here's a look at what's coming up in AEW fight forever. Or here's this where 2K at least would do that or WWE would do that in their programming at times. But for a new game, like they should have just gung ho 
full force. And I don't know if that was a case of because they how much they spent on development or that they just they went over budget and they didn't have enough in the marketing. I don't know what went into their marketing decisions, but yeah, they they kind of screwed the pooch on that one. And the one talking point that that I've said quite a bit is that you know this this should be a, a great opportunity for AEW to create fans to because I've told you know anecdotes about you know training people here in Buffalo and, and talking to them about well, how how'd you get into wrestling? Oh, they started playing the video games before they ever interacted with the, the TV content. So is that is that still because I've heard people say things to the contrary, like you know where games are kind of hard to get into now, and maybe it's not as much of a gateway for wrestling. So, what are your thoughts on that? Is this something that is going to create fans for AEW? I think it will. I think it because of the casual, like someone's going to show this game to someone. They're going to play it at a friend's house, and they're going to fall in love with wrestling because it's over the top. But yeah, it's not as much of a gateway for wrestling. You, you, that is a good point. Uh, of getting the fans in because wrestling to watch is so much more accessible than ever. Whereas back, I mean, you guys know back in the nineties or even the early two thousands games were the most accessible way to be introduced to wrestling because they were so many different games to, they were, there was like three WWF games on out of the market at the time. There was ECW games. There was WCW games. Now you don't really have that in the foreign games because it's so hard again uh, expensive and harder to make the games, but you can watch wrestling every day of the week and be introduced to it that way. So yeah, the gateway thing I get every single day of the week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not even counting indie promotions. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I, I get that point. I do think ultimately though, this will, this will lead to some, not as many, but it will lead to some fans. It's not the way football game Madden is or anything like that. Like people fall in love with players like they know the sports to to transition to that. They know the sports, but then they fall in love with players who become their favorite players because of playing the game. So this that's kind of maybe what I see happening. They really start to like it's like, oh, I didn't really care for I don't know, Jungle Boy, but playing him in Fight Forever, now he's my favorite because he's so much fun to play with. So that I think is more likely to happen than anything. Yeah, and just a question I'm curious about, and I I don't know if either of you have the answer to this. I mean, it's especially in like the mid 2000s, like we would hear about like some of these incredible royalty checks that WWE talent would get off the video games, even if this is like a moderate success. Is that you know still the case? Could it could like a big release from AEW mean something for those that are in the game if they? Like the, I don't even know how the AEW contracts would be structured in that sense of like if they kind of enjoy the success of a game like this. From what I know, if it's anything like 2K, it would be an okay, nice side ch- chunk of change. Not like anything earth shattering. Right. Um, but it would be, it, but I don't, I doubt they'd have even an agreement as close to what 2K would have and the, the wrestlers who sign on to appear in that. Yeah, it is a, uh... Interesting, just like what what it means as well, like revenue wise, uh, long term. Is there uh, an interactive press conference uh, option for the game? Is that is that a? It's not really an interactive press. It's not really an interactive press conference, but you do have press conferences, and you 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 can appear on uh, TV talk shows. You can have meet and greets with fans where they talk about owning all of your shirts and you making sure you're actually not naked in front of them. You know, weird things. Can you no show your meet and greet? I wish. Is is there? I mean, you just don't do it. 
<laughs> they give you the option, you just choose not to do it. So I guess that's a no show. <laughs> I've heard that there are many mini games in the game too, right? I, I've uh, yeah, there's speculation. You, you, you can dance like Penta. I saw I saw a screen grab of that where yeah, you can... it's Penta says there's it's like Simon says, but with Penta, there's a Hikaru Shida. Uh, how, how far can you hit the object game? There's a skateboard racing game. There's a memory game, a trivia game. There's a bunch of random things that are fun if you're playing with people you know. If you're just playing with randos online, they're kind of lame. If you're playing against the CPU, they get really boring really quick. So they're fun Mario Party style games if you're playing with people you know. But there's no mini game where you argue with people about the latest TV rating, right? Uh, no, but there's a trivia game where if you if you don't win, uh, you, the young bucks yell at you for wasting their time in text. Okay, yeah, the uh, the the Mindy's uh, muffins that'll be a future like DLC component, I'm sure. Yeah, it's called become. Muffin Drop. Yeah, there'll there'll be a mod instead of the coin. <laughs> there's a mini game for coin drops, uh, where you collect all the coins. There'll be a mod that somewhere replaces all the coins with muffins. Well, Mike, uh, thanks very much for uh, educating us on kind of the uh, the early. The early returns on uh, AEW Fight Forever, and we definitely want to let everyone know uh, you don't just cover wrestling games. You are you are the man out there for for all things uh, gaming related. Where can people go check out more of your stuff? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter or all social media, MikeStrawMedia.com, and uh, Insider-Gaming.com is where you'll find all my written work. Currently, we're covering. Uh, I've been neck deep in covering the ftc versus microsoft case which wraps up today before a ruling comes down likely after the fourth of july so that's been absolutely nothing ftc is so folk i don't i think they'll rule in favor of microsoft and microsoft and ftc will go back to court in august this is about activision right yep this is about the purchase of activision so we'll see what happens this is just the first of at least two other court cases happening this summer with microsoft so it's good it's fun because you get all this dirt and unsealed emails and documents. So for me, digging into all that stuff, and <laughs> there was an issue yesterday, real quick, sorry to hold it up. No, go for it. Sony submitted documents, but they retracted it with pen. Oh, no. <laughs> so when they were scanned in for consumption by the by the lawyers and the media, you could still see what they retracted. So it's like, well, it's out there now, thanks, including like how much money they spent to, to build, like develop Horizon Forbidden West and the last of us part two and and how much money call of duty has made over its over its lifetime and like they tried and they they used a pen a standard ink pen to to redact which doesn't work so anybody listening if you want to redact something from a legal document use a marker always always a a great lesson for the redactors out there properly redact but i mean music to our ears when we hear unsealed information Um, So anyone with any feedback towards AEW Fight Forever or how it compares to 2K or what characters are not in the game, send all of that to at Mike Straw Media. He wants to hear from every single person about what is in this game, what is not in this game, because maybe he can fix it for you. So uh, take it easy, wrestling fans. Don't don't leave an impression on Mike like you have on Showbuzz Daily, who is leaving the industry uh, with a parting shot for wrestling fans. So, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely have you back sometime soon to uh, uh, look, look at the uh, the legacy of AEW Fight Forever, um, and we'll do it before five years when their next game comes out. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, so much. Also, you, by Mike. the way, Buffalo, the true hotbed of uh, of local wrestling, just saying. Toronto's trying. We're trying. we we got to play catch up. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Take care. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, 
If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, that was Mike Straw. You can follow him at Mike Straw Media. And Brandon, do you think you will uh, sample this this game uh, at any time? Do you imagine interacting with AEW Fight Forever? Do you even have the means to? I do not. My my home, my, my significant other is very into, into, well, sort of into video. We have all the consoles, I think. We have pretty recent consoles, but I don't, I haven't played a video game in years. See, I... This is like a parenting hack that I accidentally fell into was I introduced my my son, who was five, to the original Nintendo that I still had, and he was blown away by it. It's his first game gaming uh, experience, so he's all into it. And then I found my Sega Genesis. He's like, oh, this is way better than Nintendo. And then my brother, who's like 10 years younger than me, and uh, like in the early 2000s, like we played original NES games, yeah. I think this is breaking news that you have a brother. I've never heard that ever. Very quiet. I also have a brother <laughs> that uh, is also secretive as well. But then I have now we have gone up to Nintendo 64. So it's like I have not invested in any gaming, but it's been like this increase for him that he's like blown away by going from original Nintendo to Nintendo 64. And I'm at the limit because 64 was the last system I had. So I can't go any higher than that. Yeah, I, I made it to PlayStation and, 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 and 64. Yeah. PlayStation well, 2 even. Yeah. Yeah, I never got into PlayStation. 64 was uh that was it. That was it. But I think everyone had fond memories of World Tour. W- World Tour when I got that. That was cuz you go from the Sega games and then to World Tour, to me it was just like seeing HD for the first time. It, it was like, Busa. It blew my mind about I mean that that was honestly like an introduction to some of those characters in like 97 and such. It was a a clever way around the uh IP situation. I, I had WCW versus the world, which was a PlayStation game. And I had it before I, I learned about and got into watching Japanese wrestling and got it, got tapes and stuff. And then I, and then I got tapes and then it like, it dawned on me one day, like playing the game, like, Oh my God, like Masawa Kobashi, like Chono's in this, <laughs> you know, it was, it was amazing. We are going to be uh, chatting about a, a bunch of the news items coming out of the weekend and such. If you want to get in any super chats, if you have any of your own uh, re- feedback for AEW Fight Forever, you can send in a super chat as we continue on here. But let's go backwards to this past weekend with Forbidden Door. Both of us were in attendance at the Scotiabank Arena for the event and the press conference that followed afterward, where we heard from uh, a collection of AEW talent, and we even got to be... Uh, front row for an angle that they shot that left uh one fortunately we were second row not front row yeah yeah definitely a a learning experience not to sit in the front row at a at a media event because of course you might get hit in the face with a uh with a water bottle uh as as was the case unfortunately for uh for john muse who seemed to be okay but nonetheless was bleeding and you can see this on the video itself but it was certainly something that i i was pretty annoyed at 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 the time that it happened that it just seems as though this is like I hate these angles at the pressers but you sort of have to accept accept that they do these um at both both WWE and AEW press conferences but when we're talking about the potential of a media member actually getting injured in this that to me is just way more than needs to be done at these press conferences that that should not be a reasonable assumption that you come into one of these press conferences expecting to have to deal with yeah and i mean 
as you wrote, like I'm sure Jericho didn't intend to like hurt anybody, and but it's not like he got just got bumped into. Like he drew blood. I mean, you and I were sitting next to each other, and and he was to our right in the front row, and he, and I saw him like you know look at his hand, and he had blood on his hand, which was yeah. just like just ridiculous. Because I guess if people don't know, Jericho came in and he's swinging this bat pretty hard against the wall, and he grabs a b- water bottle off the the desk of the press conference, and he tosses it up like a baseball and, and hits it and hits it towards the media, and it. I thought it just missed anybody, but apparently it hit him and hit him hard enough to like cut, you know, his orbital. Um, he seems, he seems okay. They did take him away for a bit. And Tony did seem to recognize in the moment what happened. And eventually he was taken away and I guess cleaned up and he came back and he seems to be fine. Um, but it's just, you know, totally ridiculous. And nobody said anything to, to, to all of us, like to reassure us that that's not, you know, stuff like that can't happen. It's not acceptable. It's not going to happen again. Um, t- Tony did say stuff at the, in the moment, like Chris is out of control and like, and, and, you know, that's totally unacceptable and we're going to get you looked at, but like, it's in the midst of him, you know, a booking this tag team tornado match that happened last night. It's just, you know, we're in, in this situation where it's like, it's kind of a work, but it's kind of not, and you've got people who are not performers here, people who are not acting as extras. If you want to do stuff where you're, you're doing angles where people might get hit, you can put extras there uh, and, and not have actual media members there. But uh, that's not what it is. Um, and just in the context of nothing being really said about it and how obsequious some of the media members can be it just sort of feels like yeah these these people are just taken for granted they'll they'll take take whatever is literally thrown at them and, and they'll come back for more next time yeah i i think that's one of the like more important reasons that I, I feel like like both of us like wrote about this and that is sort of like i think it's approached as okay it's this this dialogue that we have with the media but at the same time we are using it for our purposes as well as uh streaming content as ways to further storylines and in this case i mean again i think jericho is just acting in the moment and nonetheless like you're swinging a bat towards people it's it hits a guy that like listen you're you're talking about like right by the eyes and stuff like this could have been a lot worse and it drew blood it's not like it was nothing it wasn't just like you know a tap in the head or something like that it just seems to be that yeah um this it should be at at least a semi-professional setting where these people are doing their jobs and people can have whatever their thoughts are about about the media here. But these are people that are working and trying to just do a job at, at, at the end of it. And I think it's just worth bringing up the fact that like this should not be um, the, the kinds of things that are happening at press conference. It's so needless. That's that's the thing. It's totally needless that you're you're doing this. And what are these? Is this you brought this point up when Tony Khan is like admonishing Jericho. It's like, okay, is this, is this AEW president Tony Khan or is this on air authority figure Tony Khan? You can read it either way. And that's what these press conferences are sort of like Tony Khan can give you any answer. It's like, how is he answering this? Are we to take like, some are very distinct, like a Tony storm versus a, like a Danielson. You see that distinction, but there's also ones where it's just this gray area. And what are these? Because if these are more towards this is an extension of on-air programming for AEW, then like I don't really need to be at these then because that's not what I am here for. I'm not here to be an extra in your um, post-show production. And it could have been much worse. I mean, if if he got hit a lot harder and the, the injury was worse, I mean, it's opening AEW to, to a lot of legal liability, I would think. 
Yeah, like he lost control of the bat. He's like a foot away from these people swinging like a, a metal bat. It's anyway, it, it could have been a lot worse. And again, John Muse seemed to be okay, but I think something that I don't want ignored either. The fact that just just happens and we're all just shrugging our shoulders like, oh, this is pro wrestling. This this can happen. A guy in the media can just get busted open hard way in a in a press event setting. Like what would happen? You've been to UFC pressers, right? Like what would happen if this was if something like that happened? I can't imagine how it would happen at UFC. But if, if there, I don't know, if if somehow people, you know, there was a you know a brawl broke out and and somebody in the media got you know cut or hurt. Yeah, I mean, you, you have had like physical altercations among like people on the involved, like the fighters and such. I cannot think of anywhere uh, a media member was actually injured in the process, but I'm. I'm certain it would, it would, it would be a big deal if something like that happened. Um, you even have like Nate Diaz, like throwing water bottles when the Conor McGregor fight was happening. But again, I don't think anyone was injured, but that, that was a big deal because that's in Nevada. You have a commission that is overseeing this and there is at least some kind of, uh, regulation that's overseeing the, the promotion in some of these events as well, that guys would be subject to fines or suspensions. Like no, it's very like in in a commissioned world, like uh, Jericho very well would have been fined for this potentially. Like if you're talking about having to be licensed in a, in a state to wrestle or fight, and you injure somebody here, like it it at the very least might cause a hearing. Um, not to say it necessarily has to, but I do feel like this is one of those moments where it's like this should be a very clear line in AEW that we are not going to have like physical altercations, and especially towards like. <laughs> You're not even your opponent that you're swinging. That's it's like just swinging it at people that are unsuspecting, that are just not uh, expecting any of this. And like, I'm, I'm probably not going to stop going, but it does get seriously does give me pause about sitting in the front row or sitting, I mean, maybe even you know, closer, you know, not as close as that. Like, I definitely, who knows what will happen next. Did you have any other um, major takeaways from the press conference other than uh, it, it was a late night for us? I thought much like double or nothing. I thought that, um, Brian Danielson was excellent, um, yeah. especially considering the fact this guy had a broken right uh, forearm from the match, and he was in phenomenal spirits for a man with like a clean break in his arm. And I, uh, I just find Brian Danielson from the from the company side, it might be this guy is almost too honest about things. But I listen to him. I'm like, this is the ambassador you want going out doing yes. media that could like hold court at these press conferences and it's so much more of an effective mouthpiece yeah. on behalf and has such a credibility because you can sense that he is not going to BS you because I really don't feel that that's in him. Like he might bite his tongue on things, but he is generally as open as a wrestler is going to get that is taken seriously. Yeah. I mean, he's like a, a really charming and, and intelligent public speaker. I would say Danielson is. Gives you and, thoughtful answers. It's yeah. like I never hear him, and it's just like he's giving you just a, a pat answer to just fill time or something. And and he clearly has the experience and and legacy to have a lot of credibility behind what he's saying. Um, I don't know if Tony would trust him to to do interviews frequently as frequently as Tony himself does, who's ultimately the the lead executive and decision maker. But I think it would be to AW's benefit if if Danielson did more public public media work and and took some of that off of tony's plate are we gonna have cm punk on the show um i don't know i did i asked tony i think what you're setting up here is i asked tony if was it a conscious decision to not include punk in, in the press conference today because usually it's the winners who are included and he won tonight but he's not here um 
and he said it was well he he won kind of earlier in the night um and this wasn't a super high profile match for for punk relative to what else was on the show right this was the last few days Matt, you know the kojima match was made in the last few days before the pay-per-view um but they have had jungle it's probably Blade. the most he is the most newsworthy figure on the roster for sure <laughs> um so but i i i we we discussed it i think on the the episode before the pay-per-view like if i were him i don't want to put punk in that position and let let that cool off for a bit um he said tony said that he had done multiple interviews um we're aware of one with espn one. i don't know what, what other interviews he's done but um yeah that's what he said and uh, maybe we'll get him next time. He said he had no pro- he would have no problem with him being at a press conference in the future. And he's going to be doing the media round. So listen, we're we'll we'll, we'll find some time if uh, if Phil wants to uh, come by and join us. Uh, welcome to have him on. Um, yeah. Beyond that, um, the the other big announcements coming out were the, the confirmation of All Out in Chicago. They're going to do three nights. Um, They'll be in Schaumburg on the Wednesday at the Now Arena for Dynamite and Rampage, and then back-to-back nights at the United Center on September 2nd and 3rd of Labor Day weekend, which coincides with a WWE payback event in Pittsburgh on the Saturday night. And um, Andrew Zarian first reporting in AEW confirmed Grand Slam for September 20th. So within a 30-day period, you have the Wembley Stadium show, back-to-back nights at the United Center, and Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is two and a half weeks after all out. So that is a gigantic 30 day period for AEW that they have um, where you need a lot of big matches to have set up there. And it would be a question mark if Brian Danielson will be part of any of those because um, his arm is a mess. And that would seem like a very uh, charitable timetable that he would be back in time for those shows. Yeah. He, he said six to eight weeks, but the break is apparently worse than expected. He's got a clean break. We did see the x-ray yeah. of it. Like it looks like that six to eight weeks seems um, just not within shooting distance. Yeah. I mean, you look at what the United Center, what they did at the United Center for the show with the return of punk and it did 9,000 and change according to Russell Tix, I believe. So does it, is a pay-per-view a stronger draw in that building than punk's return? I'd say it's probably about equal. So I would think, you know, this is going to have some difficulty selling out unless there's some really big matches on here and it really gets heated up. Um, obviously the Wembley show is already doing great. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and the, the night before is the Saturday. I'm sure it's just less expensive to do two night, two consecutive nights in that building because you save a lot of load in and load out expense. So it makes sense, I guess, to do it that way. Um, but it's probably even more expensive. It's probably cheaper to do one night at Winfrust uh, on Wednesday and then to do the two nights at the United Center. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how those tickets sell. Um, I would be surprised if any of them sell out, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, and and how you disperse all of these different main events. Like certainly the all-in card should probably start to take shape. Um, in the meantime, you also have that big blood and guts match now that is set for Boston. So, um, yes, they're clearly, you know, both WWE and AEW catering to Jesse Collins by booking yes. double, double ring war game style matches for that particular arena. Yes. Uh, WWE is going to have to do a lot more work to win him over, I think, but, um, he's close to acknowledging his tribal chief, I think. And you wanted to chat a little bit about the, uh, the tiger driver 91 spot that is now sure. the storm driver 93 as it yes. has been, um, 
Uh, why, why not Storm Driver 23? I was confused. That must be his birth year. Or something. He, he was born in 93, so that's what he's going with. But yes, Will Ospreay has put out a T-shirt. And I mean, this is the move that is going to be immortalized from this match. I, I think it is going to be the, for better or worse, the memorable spot of this second match, which to me gives me concern because it almost means as though the third match has to feature this in some way, whether it is uh, Osprey taking this move or at least uh, building a match around this again, because it's the horrifying spot that everyone focused on. Yeah. So I think as someone who's taken his fair share of head drops, um, I think I've always sort of realized, you know, when I would watch a monitor, say, watch somebody's matches out there and we're watching on the monitor and watching them do stuff. And then you sort of talk to that person afterward. And often things that you would have thought, would have been really painful or injurious end up being not like you thought. And it, it lead, led me to think, you know, I can't really judge how dangerous or how, you know, how risky or how, how injurious something is unless I'm the one who's, who's taken it or, or I'm hearing from somebody who's taken it. And my impression is that Kenny's fine. Um, he's not gonna be super open about that because I think that's part of the, the mystery in the case of the match. Um, and I was, so I was watching for what it's worth. I, somebody posted on Reddit uh, earlier, I think today, every Tiger Driver 91 that Masao ever delivered. And some of the, there's, there's a wide range of how dangerous that move is across the times that he delivered it. And there's some that are like dropping Kobashi, like pretty clearly on his upper back. And there are some like the one he did in Quad in 6394 that is pretty, pretty high. Um, I watched the clip today multiple times of, of the Osprey one, and it's it's pretty high up there. Um, the nice thing is that he's, unlike, say, the Phoenix Plex that injured Hiromo Takahashi. Which when, is a spot on the show that you and I, like, gasped at when we saw Hiromu uh, yes. t- take, like, a similar suplex from Cobb. And it was a nasty angle that Hiromu came down on. And by the end of the show, that was sort of forgotten. Like, Hiromu seemed fine from taking it. But that was that was really scary in the moment, given who this was in Hiromu, who had that um, broken neck situation a couple of years back. Right. Like, I think there are some things that are just, like, headbutts, I think, are pretty stupid because you're depleting a, a finite resource in your brain that can't really be repaired. I think necks are, are a different story where like, you know, Steve Austin can have neck surgery. He might have not be able to wrestle again, but he can at least, you know, live a, a relatively normal life. Um, and edge apparently can have an, an, a career ending neck injury, but then years later can come back and, and wrestle a pretty full contact style. Um, but anyway, I think the, the, the Phoenix suplex is different in that you're, you're stuffing the guy and you're not releasing him and letting him, tumble and roll through the move with with the tiger driver 91 he is being dropped at a really high angle um but it looks like he's able to to tumble through so i don't know that there's what is 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 kenny omega like more prone to future neck injuries because of this i'm i'm pretty skeptical of that um i will say like when when i've taken high angle back suplexes or germans or something like that there's if somebody spiked me, there's there's a spike which is bad, and there's a roll which is good. Where like, if somebody spikes me and dr- drops me down at the wrong angle, or drops me too high, or hits the mat before I hit the mat, as opposed to us hitting the mat together, that will hurt, you know. And and that you know you'll feel that, and maybe that if you take that a bunch of times, that's going to lead to an injury. But if I'm dropped correctly, I'm. Those things are pretty safe. I, f- I feel like if they're done by somebody who is 
competent to deliver it. Um, I think what happened like with Sting last night is is a little more concerning to me than that. Where like Sting, who's sixty four, in his condition, we has spinal stenosis, right? Um, that's that's more concerning to me, I think, than than Tiger Driver ninety one or like stuff like Shibata, you know, doing headbutts sure. and sort of ending his career. Um, but like if, but I can't say if you're somebody watching the match and you're watching the Osprey and Omega match and they do the tire driver 91 and that takes you out of it. I mean, that's a valid reaction. Um, because I think like the, the number one priority we have at least like artistically in a match is to preserve your suspension of disbelief to preserve your immersion in the match. And if that's something that takes you out of it and you start thinking about whether or not you just saw somebody injure their neck, other than that in a way is a failure of the match to preserve the suspension of disbelief and preserve the immersion for you. Um, yeah. And I guess I also look at it from the sense of like, here are two, you know, world-class performers that are performing this. It's a very, you know, it's, you know, the spot everyone is discussing at least this week and how much, replication comes out of that that others are influenced by this that are not at that level and what we are introducing as sort of the topping point and i did speak with with one one former wwe wrestler who watched it because i'm always going to defer to like yourself brandon that's been in the ring people that are going to know this at a level that i i can't speak from but he was noting how he he sees like will's knees hitting first too taking away from Kenny's landing and stating that depending on the timing, the mat may be coming back up when Kenny hits making the impact twice as much F me. That was, that was his comment, not mine. Um, so again, it's like, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm watching like just a fraction of an inch as well as the, the popularity that we're going to see coming out of this, that there's going to be, you know, just like this just becomes the standard of trying to top what is, gaining attention like it's a copycat business when it comes to what is gaining traction and how can we build off that and for these two again it's just going right to that line and it's it's the long-term effect too of like taking so many of these and then it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back and granted we have not had a a plethora of masawa incidents in this industry but we do have one and it is sort of this I think a cautionary tale, but also one that, you know, you at the same time cannot handcuff yourself when it comes to, you know, this is an industry where you are going to go up right to that line of what is physically doable. My belief about what happened to Masala and correct me if, if there's like hard information, you know, that, that, that informs this, but is that he probably needed medical treatment that he was not getting that he wouldn't get because he felt for the business. He had to stay in the ring. Um, he was I, in I really view, rough shape by the end. Yeah. I, I, I view what happened to him as tragic, but very, very preventable. Um, if he had gotten medical treatment and probably needed surgery, maybe he needed to retire. Um, but if he had gotten the, the treatment that he needed, you know, maybe he would, could have been wrestling for, for years after that. I mean, we just had Kijimuto uh, retire. Maybe he would still be wrestling today for all I know. Um, but I, I do view it as, you know, clearly the way he wrestled put him in that position but also i think the lack of getting the treatment that he needed put him in that position 
Let's move on from uh, just for Bindor. We should talk about the uh, the collision number because it was the second week of the program on TNT, and they did five hundred and ninety five thousand viewers and a point two one in the demo number five among cable originals that night. So this was a drop of twenty seven percent in viewers, thirty seven percent in the demo. And I know you compared to uh, where Rampage fell from week two to three after the Punk arrival in two thousand twenty one and Dynamite week one to two. So what was sort of your forecast going in in terms of we knew the drop off would be there. Did this exceed your expectation or was this around the range of where you saw this falling? Especially um, men 18 to 34, it was, uh, you know, it was half of the the previous week. So it was certainly not uh, in some areas a, a big drop, but was this somewhat expected week two? Yeah, it's I was not expecting it to fall as much as it did, but it fell consistent with what you mentioned, the the third episode of Rampage and the second episode of Dynamite. Um, So it it, it did basically exactly what those did. I guess my my vibes to me were like, I think, you know, the the return of Punk was not as big of a deal, obviously, as the debut of Punk. And maybe what, you know, Dynamite appearing on TV for the first time is not as, as big of a deal as the first show. Anyway, it did basically exactly what those two instances would forecast. Um, which is worse than I thought. And I, I guess I expect that there's going to be another, another drop this week by, by far less, but maybe like single digits of percent. Um, we're, we're hours before the taping tonight. Cause it will be on, uh, uh, uh nobody knows delay. what the matches are. <laughs> we know what the matches are. Uh, dude, I am, I am not feeling this Saturday show. Like there's is no punk advertised at this point. They did not punk is all over like the online advertising, but on Wednesday, the they didn't, they did not promote anything with Punk for set for Saturday, and that uh, would baffle me if he's on the show tonight. Which yeah, I mean, you know, again, MJF is wrestling. MJF will be in action, yes. Which is uh, no longer his wrestling commitment. Um, and then you have the the Owen Hart Cup uh, matches that they had announced previously. Like it's it's a show. That's that's what it feels like. And I just looking at the number from Saturday, I certainly see a decrease from week two given the lineup. So and this I'm, was not something that like this was or this was the struggle of all the Canadian shows when they're around 2000 uh, based on the last report from Russell ticks. I mean, even if you have a bit of a walk up tonight, like this is going to be a, a disappointing, I would say both nights in Hamilton, you would classify as disappointments. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the first episodes of, of dynamite and it took to about, you know, the first episode, two, three, four, five, <sighs> It's it's tough because I know there's World Series competition in this fall of 2019, but maybe by the the third episode it had kind of leveled off, and then it took another dent, and then it kind of went back up again. So maybe by the, this third episode could be a pretty good sense of what this show is going to do regularly. Obviously, when we get to September and it starts going against college football, it's going to take a, a big dent. Um, but we could be seeing. I I would be. I'll be disappointed in in the rating if you know, say on episode four, it continues to take a fall. I would that I would find that pretty concerning. But I I would look at next Saturday's rating, this coming Saturday's rating, as potentially what it's going to deliver normally. It's it has to deliver, I would say, a lot better than say a point one four, which is a which is on the high end of what the movies would do in this time slot, the rerun movies from WBD's library. So it's got to do a lot better than that to contribute to a strong argument that AEW deserves a strong increase in TV rights fees. Um, they're getting something in addition because they're doing an extra night of production now. Uh, so 
tens of millions more, I'm sure. But what they want is to get their entire TV rights deal doubled, tripled, or better. Um, and whatever rating this show settles at is a really big deal into contributing to what that deal, next deal is going to be. We also have the pending shutdown of Showbuzz Daily. That will be no yes. more as of next week, yeah. stating that we have to announce that after this week, we will no longer be able to provide TV ratings to readers and thus the Showbuzz Daily that Showbuzz Daily will be effectively ending its operations. Although we didn't plan this, there's a sense in which our departure coincides with an inflection point in the entire TV industry. As everyone is aware, the bottom has dropped out of linear viewership and the ratings have had increasingly less utility. Nevertheless, we'll miss that analysis and we'll miss you. Well, maybe not the wrestling trolls, but everyone else. <laughs> Unbelievable that they get that. Like This is our final statement and we must make point, a point of the wrestling feedback yeah. that we have gotten over the years. I, uh, it's I guess they're all mine now. I, I, I've like resisted even reaching out to anyone at Showbuzz Daily to come on because it's just like I feel like wrestling would be painted so negatively uh, in, in their in their feedback and such. But it is a unique bunch that are out there and not to uh, paint all wrestling fans, but they do stand out in a, in a crowd, I guess, when yeah. it comes to um, feedback and online etiquette. Maybe they'll be, I'm, I'm trying to remember because they did have a, a hiatus in the summer of 2021 for yeah. a few months there where they were uh, it was a dark out of period. Yeah. We thought we thought they were done then, and then they then they they posted like the the hand coming out of the grave image or whatever. Um, maybe they'll be, and it would probably on a be on a much more delayed basis. But maybe there'll be other sources like Spoiler TV um, programming. Insider is pretty good with the fast affiliates. Uh, TV series finale is another one that has fast affiliates. Um, so there are other sites that have ratings access apparently. Um, but it's going to be at a far slower pace, probably when we're talking about the TV world overall. Um, as, as you said, it, it removes our ability to look at rankings, which I think are ultimately the best metric to use to judge, you know, how this show is doing in a world. And NXT is a perfect example of this past month that I mean, on outside of last week, which was a giant number by any stretch. I mean, a lot of like this week, it was a normal number. But they were second on cable, and I mean the cable numbers were exceptionally low on Tuesday. But they were, they were almost first. Like it's the closest they've ever come to like winning a night on cable in their entire history. And like that is context we probably are not going to have for a lot of these shows in terms of we're just going to be analyzing the numbers and how are they performing against others and the ranking that you've always stressed and I think is very important. You're competing. That's who you are competing against. We are not just viewing a number in a bubble. It's like, what does this number mean? And what are the other factors that impact this number? Right. Because the, the thing to look at is the rate is, is the ranking among the information that we have or had, because in this world where there's fewer and fewer cable TV homes, the most popular programs, as we know, have exploded in value over this time, because those are the things that are keeping the bundle together that are justifying the cable bills that are you know, contributing to this business that is dwindling, but is still profitable. And the, the, the networks are holding on really tightly to those top ranked shows because those are the, those are the shows that are keeping people subscribed to cable. Um, the networks and hopefully the wrestling companies will still have access to all this information. They'll, they'll know what's going on. So it's, it's a media story and it's a general public story. Um, I will still report ratings. Um, 
Patreon.com slash WrestleNomic. I will still, I will still tweet. You don't have to even have to be a subscriber. I will still tweet the, um, at least the total viewership in the demo for every show that I, that I get the, the W and AEW shows anyway. The comments will be um, off though. Yeah, you can comment. I, I can't turn the comments off. Oh, on the, on the tweets, the I don't, tweets. I don't bother because it's a, it's a, it has the reverse of the intended effect. If you turn the comments off on a tweet, I just get people quote tweeting me saying, ah, he's, he's too scared to p- p- turn on the comments. But anyway, um, so that, that'll, that'll still be out there. I still expect to get wrestling ratings, um, as they happen, at least in most cases. They also stated the balance of home viewing for better or worse has swung towards streaming and the proprietors of those companies have chosen to be opaque with their information, providing data that's incomplete and unverified when it's available at all. And I read this and I thought, did they listen to our, our conversation last week about streaming and lack of transparency? Maybe the scared off show bus are like, oh man, it's, it's done. This linear television model, it's done. It's over. Let's get it. You, get you know what I'm afraid of now is, is everybody's going to say, no, these TV ratings don't matter. Showbuzz doesn't even cover it anymore. Oh, I got, I got, uh, thank God the wrestling ratings discourse is gone. I hate right. it. It's all yeah, over. Cause, cause this is going to make it so much better. Yeah. This is, this is a great um, step forward. Lack of transparency. Look, the, the majority of time that people spend watching TV in the United States is still through, is still watching traditional TV. Um, Nielsen puts out their gauge. They put out that delicious looking donut chart every month and it's still just over 50%. But when you, when you combine cable and broadcast, um, so we, we don't, and, and that's driven overwhelmingly about by people who are older, right? If you had that broken down into younger age groups, the majority would be streaming, but of all people of all consumption, it's still the majority of that time is being spent through traditional TV. Um, so that's that's still the the most you know it's the most popular way to 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 consume TV still, and it is the only one of the only businesses that is still profitable when it comes to watching television. Netflix is profitable, cable television is profitable. I'm not I don't know if any of the other streaming services are profitable. Um, so that's all going to have to get worked out eventually with consolidation. But the TV ratings. Do they matter? Yes, it is still the Nielsen ratings are still the currency that advertisers use to buy their ads against. It's still the data that networks and content providers use to discuss what their deals are going to be. So these numbers, as someone who reports these numbers all the time, I'm sure this is completely unbiased. These numbers are still extremely important. I've yet to see Tony Khan ever tout their uh, their DVR viewership percentage for any strong week nor their uh streaming audience either it has been yeah, i mean pretty consistent in what they they put out as the most important information that is tied to their most revenue potential dvr viewership might contribute a little bit but you're mostly skipping the commercials right what what really determines ad rates is what they call the c1 c2 c3 time it's the viewership during the commercials themselves. And if you're watching a DVR, probably skipping past that stuff. Last story here. uh, And then we do have some super chats, but it is a a topic I have yet to discuss with anyone yet because I've tried to avoid it. But there is a big fight that is brewing in the tech world uh, that we may or may not get. And as I tweeted out uh, last week, we are so close to getting a fight breakdown from Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway of the Pivot Podcast. And I manifested this into the world 
And on Tuesday, I was given this. Scott, I will not be refereeing the cage match between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. That would be hilarious. That's a great idea. From a size standpoint, it's going to look like yeah. Will Musk should kill him. And Zuckerberg would probably win because at 39, with his training and his speed and agility, mm-hmm. he just needs to harass Musk until he runs out of steam. <laughs> yeah. And those 52-year-old oxygen efficiencies, deficiencies yeah, start no, to he, kick he, in. He, I have no question Zuckerberg would win. He's been training with top trainers and this and that. And he's committed that way. He's like that. He's so intense. He's such an intense 100%. person. Musk is just a lazy person. Well, I don't Musk know looks I'm... like he runs out of, you know, he yeah. runs out of breath on his way to Krispy yeah. Kreme. I mean, yeah. he just... Yeah. Well, he doesn't he, even try to be fit. I don't think he's... I've never heard him out of the word exercise. Mark was always an exerciser and so once I heard that, like, I, I couldn't avoid this this subject yes. any longer. Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, it's insanity. Every MMA site is covering this thing uh, with great, great interest. And I've, I've heard Elon Musk has described himself as a small walrus, referring to his own body type. Um, but, I, but I also read that Elon's mom said, no, we're not doing this. Has stepped in. Yes. We're not doing it. Much like uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's mother wanted him to retire, Elon Musk's mother might step in and prevent Dana White from uh, promoting this uh, this fight. But yes, uh, there are actual odds for this fight, and Mark Zuckerberg, sizable favorite if this if this were to occur. Thirty nine year old Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, there we are. I mean, you, I, I was surprised. Well, I was intrigued to read the story about him. He was he's he's been doing jujitsu, right? Yeah, and he got he did a tournament. And in in one of his matches in the tournament, he got choked out and the referee stopped. He didn't tap out, but he it looked like he passed out. So the referee stopped the contest and New York Times wrote about this apparently. And then Zuckerberg followed up and provided a comment after the story was published saying, no, the, the referee thought I was uh, snoring, but I wasn't. I was actually just grunting and I didn't tap out. The coach also gave a comment and said he did not, he did not submit. He did not pass out. He did not lose. So, um, un- undefeated still in jujitsu, maybe. Yeah. It looks like he has, um, uh, quite the, uh, quite the amount of pride, uh, going into these jujitsu tournaments. Uh, so nonetheless, there's Mark Zuckerberg. Let's get to some super chats here from, from a Louis. Uh, the team seems weird. Old, uh, AKI staff with Ukes, Omega and leadership. Is that an odd team structure responsible for the strange long development? This might be a, a better question for, uh, for, for Mike, but, uh, regardless, I mean, Kenny was kind of the, from the talent side or the EVP side that he was like, this was his big, uh, project. And I, 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 I would think on the surface, having somebody, uh, that's both, you know, an expert in gaming and from the pro wrestling side, I would look at that as an advantage for a project like this. Yeah, I guess as long as he's, you know, deferring to people who know the things that he doesn't. Another one here is uh, from Ryan. Oh, very, uh, very kind here with your uh, super chat. Thank you. From the shows I've attended, CM Punk gets both a loud face and heel reaction. His merch sales are number one for the month for AEW. On two collision episodes, his segments draw the highest quarter hour rating. Does this make Punk AEW's top attraction? I don't know if that alone makes him AEW's top attraction, but everything else that we know about the effects that he has on business absolutely makes him AEW's top attraction. Do you think he was uh, a difference at all for the business of Forbidden Door um, being added late? It was a match that seemed very inconsequential, um, even if it was yeah, received well. It didn't feel like a difference maker type of match that Punk would have, you know, you could credit him with a lot of whatever this number ends up being. Now, as much as I like Satoshi Kojima, I don't think it made a big difference. Certainly didn't hurt. Um, but I, 
it's just not a high profile enough match to bump up the, the pay-per-view number in my opinion. And our final super chat comes from front row, Neil Flanagan, who took in forbidden door and was seen all over. I believe, um, him, Brandon from New Jersey and Robert yes. Pearson uh, were part of the highlight pack last week on Dynamite or last night on Dynamite that I saw. Great to hear Brandon chat in ring technicalities. Beyond Wrestling has an excellent full match between him and Wheeler Yuta for free on YouTube if anyone wants to see Thurston's chops, pun intended. Well, there you go. A nice shout out for Brandon Thurston, who in another lifetime, um, indie sensation, Brandon Howard, storming the scene in Beyond Wrestling. And you can go check out his match with Wheeler Yuta. And many of your uh, your fine matches that are out there. Yeah, twenty nineteen, I went out on top. Um, no, it was great to see Neil and to see I. You know, I wanted to mention too. Um, watching the pay per view with John Pollock was a great experience because what will happen often in my experience watching wrestling shows with somebody, um, whether it's on television or in person, is that I get talked to the whole time. During the show. I promise that is one thing you'll never have to deal with me who might be the most boring person to watch wrestling with. No, it's great because I can okay. actually watch the show. And then I, re- I realize in those moments w- watching with other people, I'll leave the show or get done watching the show and be like, I remember nothing from that show because it was just people were just talking. Um, but it was great. Um, I actually got to watch the show. And and we noticed that that Neil Flanagan um, and Brandon from New Jersey and Robert Pearson were were in basically the Dave Meltzer in Chi Town Rumble '89 position throughout that whole pay per view, which yes. people are calling one of the greatest shows ever. I was aware that they had front row seats. I did not realize that they would be there facing the hard cam. And there is Brandon from New Jersey high fiving Tanahashi. I mean, honestly, like for for our listeners, what a great like drinking game that was. I think he was giggling for five hours straight, probably. Oh, I I don't doubt it. I mean, unlike a uh, full gear where I I, I got photographic proof of him falling asleep during the show i think he stayed awake this whole time he would have been a meme had he fallen asleep in the front row <laughs> could you imagine the wwe fans that would have been on top of that photo <laughs> this is the best wrestling match in the world really this guy disagrees yeah yeah so there you go a shout out to uh, the three of them that added to myself and brandon's uh, entertainment for, for the night as well final thing I'm, I'm going to break my own rule and announce our tentative guest for next week because we have uh, communicated and thus far it looks like all things are a go, but it looks like we will get to have Chris Hero on the show next week. Of course, Chris Hero, uh, heavily involved with West Coast Pro out of uh, Northern California and uh, recently has been doing some uh, some coaching on the AEW side as he uh, as he has revealed. So we will uh, be tentatively chatting with chris hero i'm always uh, nervous to announce a guest before uh it's all locked in but I- i'm pretty confident about this one happening so uh you can uh expect that for next week and brandon why don't you let everyone know about uh the new rollout plan for wrestlenomics and this coming sunday it's a free show and then yes wrestlenomics proper will be available on the patreon so WrestleOmics Radio is going to Patreon only. If, if you want to listen to WrestleOmics Radio, which is our Sunday show with, with myself and Jesse Collings and Chris Gullo, that is going to be on Patreon only beginning two weeks from now. Um, it will be still free once a month, but only once a month. And so, so this coming week is still going to be free on the WrestleOmics Radio podcast feed. And on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel. After that, it's going to, to Patreon. Um, so that's what's happening on on our free feed. You'll still get Pollock and Thurston both on YouTube and on the podcast feed, free every week. Check that out. Uh, a must listen to show every week with Brandon, Jesse, and Chris Gullo. And 
Way and I, we have uh, about 5,000 shows up that you can go check out. Postwrestlingcafe.com. We just did a review of the Junkyard Dog episode of Dark Side of the Ring last night. And we will be back Friday night at 10 Eastern with Rewind to SmackDown and a free show Saturday right after Money in the Bank. So you can check that out as WWE has back-to-back nights at the O2 Arena. 17,000 plus expected for both nights. It should be incredibly hot crowds in England as they uh, hold their... uh, their last premium live event that won't go head to head with collision. Cause this will be 3 PM Eastern. That's right. Um, a unique start time as they have told us over and over on the broadcast, a unique start time of 3 PM Eastern time. So noon on the West coast, the lead in for collision this weekend. They're, they're being, they're see, they're being, people think that they're so competitive with AEW. They're being nice. Nick is doing them a favor by saying, we don't want to compete against your third show. I've asked way this question. I don't think I've asked you in the next year. Do we get a, WWE premium live event and an AEW pay-per-view the same night, or is that avoided by both sides? I think they will avoid that. There won't be a Sunday to Sunday head to head. Cause it would have to be Sunday. I would think. I would think like logistically, there's no reason why it couldn't happen. Like I, I think there'd be, there'd be enough providers in, in this era of technology for that to happen, but I don't think that they will schedule on the same night. I think that, right. they, that that's to no one's advantage. I think that's too much of a a risk for either side. I'm hoping this is the worst that we get where it's a like a SummerSlam versus Collision type of head. We're going to get that. That's yeah. going to happen all the time. We're going to um, get Clash versus WrestleMania. That's right. Because we have, yeah, that Labor Day weekend. Uh, for those that have not heard your, your travel plans. So uh, breaking news. Wei Ting and I are locked in for SummerSlam. We are, are going, going to Detroit. Detroit. Okay. We are going. As are you. Correct? Yes. Yes. And then Labor Day weekend, you're planning to do your own double shot, correct? Yes. I, I can't couldn't even remember if I'd said this on there, but apparently I have. You did say um, it. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I take notes so, during your shows. That's good. Um everyone should do that. I'm going to how's this working? I'm going I'm going to rent a car, drive I live in Buffalo, I'm gonna rent a car at the airport, drive to Pittsburgh, go to payback in pittsburgh right mm-hmm. and then drive to the airport fly to chicago go to all out and then fly home wow That's that is plan. a that is a weekend for you That's... yes i was having some second thoughts about it uh after coming home from toronto but you know i'll get over that what's the drive from buffalo to pittsburgh about three and a half to four that's about the distance from here to, to Detroit as I was uh, mapping it out. So yeah. there you have it. Those are, those are the, uh, the post wrestling WrestleNomics travel plans for the summer. So uh, stay tuned and um, we'll be uh, maybe marketing some, uh, some Pollock and Thurston like hockey masks for these press conferences. We're going to market them to members of the media. That might mm-hmm. be uh, the next protective uh, gear to go uh, that we can release it in time for full gear, at least a face shield or something. That's it. That's it. These are all great ideas. So there you have it. That wraps it up next week. Chris hero will join us and a big thank you to Mike straw. Go follow him at Mike straw media. And that is it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in live, downloading it after the fact. And if you pirate this, you're the worst type of person. So you better be giving your view to either WrestleNomics or post wrestling. That is it for us. Goodbye.